لو كان سلعة تباع لبذلت فيه الأموال العظام أو صعد في السماء لسمت إليه نفوس الكرام بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome all viewers and listeners to yet another episode of a TBM podcast, which is a project dedicated to helping examine with knowledge, contemporary affairs happening in the Muslim communities. Likewise, we discuss topics such as studying in Saudi Arabia, benefiting from some of the most prominent Islamic scholars of today, how to apply to the different universities, juggling marital life along with studies, self-improvement, education books, and much more. There will be a new uply, weekly episode every Monday at 9 p.m. KSA time, 6 p.m. Uh, UK time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard time, and now... Since we have a Swedish brother here with us, it will be 7 p.m. <laughs> uh, Swedish time. Hayakallahi. We're very happy to have um, a very special guest with us today, Sheikh Abdullah Swaidi, uh, who is a graduate from the uh, Jamia Islamiyah in Medina, and he completed his B.A., likewise his magister there, and then went on to finish his Ph.D. in atheism. And now he's, he's also a teacher. And Meshid Nabawi. So we're very welcomed and honored to have, have you here with us today. Hayakallahi. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi How you doing, bro? How you feeling? Alhamdulillah, fine. Alhamdulillah. How you like your Riyadh? Alhamdulillah. Nice. Alhamdulillah. So uh, I know you're, you're pressed on time, so you kind of wanted to jump right into it today and um, you know discuss a little bit of your background uh, because, I mean, there's really a lot of questions I have for you, like from every angle. But let's just keep it short in the background and then go into some of the questions about your studies because it's very, very um, uh, prominent today in the Muslim community, especially with atheism and things like that. So uh, can you give us, the viewers, a little bit of background, you know, of your life previous to studying in Jamia Islamiyah and then, you know, accepting Islam, et cetera, and then coming here? Yeah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa salatu wa salam, ala ashraf al-anbiya wal-mursaleen, nabina Muhammad wa la alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, amma ba'd. Hayakum uh, Allah, it's very nice to be here. Zakallah uh, Yeah, I'm from Sweden, uh, a country in the uh, north of Europe. Uh, I became a Muslim when I was about 16, 17 years old. Mashallah. I was in high school, the uh, second year in high school. Uh, I uh, came from a secular family, uh, no religion at all, almost in my family. Mm. Uh, but I was interested in reading a lot. Both my parents are doctors. Mashallah. So they used to travel with me into different countries and so on. And Sweden is a quite uh, unusual country mm. that is one of the most individualistic countries in the world. At the same time, one of the most secular countries in the world. Mm. But Swedes, they think that they are the standard and other people should be like them. Mm. So when we grow up, it was like, uh, this is how things should be. Mm. And then when I was traveling with my family and so on, my parents and my uh, my brother and my sister, to other countries and we saw like uh, other countries, other cultures, how people live in and so on, it got me interested in uh, reading more about other cultures, other religions, how people live in different countries and so on. So... Uh, I started to read about religions, mm. uh, especially I, I went to India two times, uh, and I think that was like it's the total opposite of Sweden. Wow. You have uh, religions all over the place; mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your face, yeah, you go yeah. around. Uh, so I started to read about different religions, uh, Christianity, of course, because Sweden is a, uh, it's originally a Christian country. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading about Judaism and Hinduism, Sikhism, and all mm-hmm. all these religions. Mm-hmm. And then I started to read about Islam too. Uh, and the more I learned about Islam, 
uh, the more I saw like, okay, this is more interesting than the other religions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I started reading more and more books about Islam. And then, subhanAllah, I, I got a copy of a translation of the Quran. Uh, and then I used to read Surah Al-Fatiha. Mm. Surah Al-Fatiha, Ihdina Salat Al-Mustaqeem, guide us to the straight path. And I saw like the different religions and different ways of life and so on. And uh, I felt like, okay, this is uh, a way to ask God for guidance to, to the straight path. Mm. And then, subhanAllah, I felt like, okay, I have to go on this path. This is the right path in my life and so on. Were you in India when you realized, you had this realization that this No, no, it was like in India, it was that I really saw that uh, there are so many different things, Mm. uh, so many different religions, Mm. uh, different ways of life uh, and so on. So when I went back, I started to read books. Back in Sweden? Yeah, back in Sweden. So I was not like really interested in Islam when I was in India. It was more like about religions and ways of life and and so on. And then when I came back, uh, I started to read. And then when I read books, I thought Islam was the most interesting religion. So so when you say you used to read Surah Al-Fatiha, do you mean like you see it regularly? No, no, no. I used to sit down. Uh, and contemplate and I used to sit with Fatiha and guide me to the straight path mm. as yeah. a dua like yeah, yeah that's a form mm. of dua mm. yeah. now did you know any Muslims there in Sweden like they can help you after you realize that okay I want to be Muslim uh, I had some Muslim friends uh, but none of them were practicing okay yeah and I had some uh, pretty interesting stories uh, I had one <laughs> friend that was a bit practicing he was a Shi'i from Iran. Mm. So I asked him to go to to the to, to the big mosque in, in Stockholm. It's a Sunni mosque, but mm. uh, to teach me how to pray. Mm-hmm. Because he was the only one I knew that knew how to yeah, pray for yeah. the Muslims. Uh, so he took me to pray and he, learned me, he taught me how to pray in a Shi'i way. And took me to the ma- place of wudu, uh-huh. how to make wudu and so on. Mm. And I was right next to a brother who was a Sunni mm. in the mosque. Mm-hmm. So he said, no, 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 he's teaching in the wrong way and so on. <laughs> now, I was not a Muslim, you know? <laughs> uh, so I said, what? He said, yeah, 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 you have to learn about Islam. I said, okay. Um, what do you think uh, I'm doing here? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, like, it's going to be a lecture today. Uh, it's going to be a lecture today. Uh, come to the lecture with me. Mm. So I said, okay, I'll go to the lecture. And I was really ashamed to say to him that I was not a Muslim. So I was mm. going with him and went into the mosque uh, and subhanallah, <laughs> when I went to the mosque, he, he said, pray raka'atayn. I was like, pray raka'atayn? <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, I was standing right next to him and like doing all the uh, the movements and so on. And, and then uh, it was a lecture. And mashallah, the, the mosque, uh, all of the brothers were like wearing a thobe. Yeah, yeah. Some of them had turbans and yeah, so on. Yeah. I would come like... 16 year old Swede yeah. coming and seeing <laughs> one year after 9 11. So, the brother who gave the lecture, uh, he's a mashallah, he's a like strong Palestine, Palestinian brother with a big beard mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he started to speak to me. He said, like, Ramadan is coming, you have to fast and so on. I was saying, no, okay, okay, no problem, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> and the funny thing is that he said to me, uh, of, uh, many years after, he said, when I saw your face, I said, this guy will never enter the mosque one more time. <laughs> like, Subhanallah. Uh, uh, I have to say, like, my face was pretty frightened or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Like we were overwhelmed. There was yeah, like a light yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what is this? Like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Espan, the, the same mosque, mm. when I come there in the summer, I used to give khutbah in the mosque. So he was like, he will, not, he, he will not give, uh, he will not come back. But that's, alhamdulillah. That actually so, shows the importance of how we need some type of program for new Muslims. Like yeah. you're taking me back to my time when I first became Muslim. It's like overwhelming. Yeah. You come in, I had like a Jesus piece on, I'm sitting in the back, mm. and I'm just, Jesus piece is like a necklace. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting in the back of the mesh and I'm just looking around, I'm just like, what's going on? Guys, like, like pay attention yeah. to the khutbah, <laughs> and I'm just like seeing, trying to <laughs> like, see what's going on. I'm not Muslim at the time, yeah, like yeah. you. I didn't want to say, you know, yeah. you know what I wasn't. I didn't know what to do and things like that. So yeah, Subhanallah. So after this, um, after this experience, you came back to the, the masjid after that for. Uh, yeah, uh, I went back to the house, uh, yeah, like reflecting upon all of these things. I knew that if I would become Muslim, it would be problems with my family and. Mm. Uh, I was the only Muslim in my class. Mm. There was no Muslims like practicing Muslim around me and so on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the end, I said, no, if if I believe in this, I have to take the step. How long did it take for you to... I don't really know I, because he was speaking about uh, with me uh, about Ramadan. So I think it was pretty close to Ramadan. Okay. Uh, probably. So, and I converted in Ramadan. So yeah, Okay. Uh, okay. So shortly after that first encounter yeah, yeah, you end up becoming yeah, Muslim yeah. mashallah tabarakallah yeah alhamdulillah Jameer so um, after that you become Muslim now uh, when does it I guess you're 16 so you came to study when 18 or uh, yeah uh, I finished high school uh, when I was 18 and straight after that I applied for, for Medina mm. to, to study in Medina and subhanallah all of the brothers they told me like oh you're originally sweet you have good grades in school you're gonna get accepted straight away and so on so I was like okay I'm gonna get accepted that year, no one got accepted from Sweden. Wow. No acceptance. Wow. So I was shocked. It was like everybody said there's not so many p- people applying for Sweden and you're from Sweden originally. You was waiting yeah. for that acceptance. Yeah, I was just waiting. And subhanAllah, this is something that Allah is really can teach us lessons mm. that we have to rely on Him and not on Asbab, so, hey, on, on no. things that... Uh, and that we all has, have to make dua. Mm. Nothing can be sure unless we make dua to Allah so, subhanahu so, wa ta'ala. So. So I was like, I get to, I get to know that no one would be accepted this year, uh, and I wanted to leave Sweden because it was quite hard to stay in my family and problems and so on. So I was like, okay, I have to leave in any way. Mm. So I know I knew one brother who was studying in the Maj. Mm. Uh, so Yemen. he said, come to, uh, in Yemen. So he said, come <coughs> to to Yemen and study over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, okay, khalas, I will go to, to Yemen. And then it was in two thousand and four the first war with the Houthis started at that time. Subhanallah. Yeah, so I couldn't go at that time, straight mm. away. Mm. So I got to know someone, subhanAllah, when you're young, you do things that are <laughs> <really> strange. <laughs> of course, yeah. I got to know a, a brother, Algerian brother, living in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Messenger, you know, it was like before Facebook and all these things. Don't tell me this guy smuggled you in. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. So he said, like, uh, until things will calm down over there in Yemen, come to come to the Emirates, you can mm-hmm. stay at my house. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know him except through Messenger. I was so, like, okay, uh, I go from Sweden. I leave Sweden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went from that and Allah I stayed there for two months. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you say when you're young, you do crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing happened to me as well. I remember I went to Maj as well. Okay, mashallah. We, we couldn't get through the normal way. So one of the brothers, like, take a taxi from place to place. Mm. And then eventually you'll end up at the match, yeah. right? So we, th- we did that as me and another brother. What happened is um, when we, we went actually through Huth itself. And this is like in 2006, I think. Been there, done that. Yeah, I was in Huth too. So we went so. through there, yeah. two guys, two youth, they took us on the bus. Yeah. 
And halfway through, they pulled out their guns, give us all your money. Wow. Give us all the money. At least they took us to a bus, alhamdulillah. They're like, okay, take this bus, it will take you to the match. We went on that bus. When we got to the uh, check station, the police station, the guy's like, you know, uh, they took us off the bus and whatever. Spent the night in prison as well, the Yemeni prison. <laughs> yeah. But we came out that morning. Oh, that's not a five-star hotel, I think. No, because yeah. no, the guy, he said to us, <laughs> he said, spend the night in the hotel. Because there's no buses going out to Saadat. It's at the police station. Mm. So we'd have no money. It's like, all right, stay stay in the prison. Ajay. We're like, all right, we'll take you out So you were morning. voluntarily arrested. <laughs> yeah, voluntarily <laughs> spend the night in prison. That was some experience. Ajay. Just one, I when I was, I think I was... 16 or 17 as well around that age wow. <laughs> when you're young you do crazy stuff <laughs> just remind you of those things <laughs> so when you so you were in uh, Abu Dhabi for two months yeah then after that you get to Yemen from yeah. Abu Dhabi yeah then how long is it before you get accepted to Jamia I was in Yemen for seven months Mashallah. and also Mashallah. going there to, to Damaj I went in a had like a minibus mm. that transported because especially going there as a tall white Swede it's not it was not allowed yeah, to go yeah, over there yeah, so yeah. they had to hide me so I went <laughs> in a minibus <laughs> with uh, they had like uh, you know the, the thing where they transport the books there. yeah 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 so I went I was under that for seven hours Allah yeah. Akbar. Yeah. Yeah. hiding and there was like checkpoints and all these yeah. things yeah. They, they took us off the bus as well I think yeah. we took we looked too western yeah. me and the other brother yeah. that's why when we took <laughs> taxis all over the place yeah. Ajeev so seven hours <laughs> yeah seven You're hours under hiding under like <sighs> and they were stopped and they go I saw like the flashlight going checking yeah checking you were by yourself uh, there were guys in the, in the pub. No, no, I'm saying like, like you were the only yeah, one being yeah, smuggled yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, 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 so you going to Saudi Arabia was uh, Nehma, mashallah. <laughs> was an uh, airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you, you said you went through Huth as well? Uh, on the way back. On oh. the way back. And uh, I didn't know so much at that time, you know. I heard Houthi, Huth. And, and when I stayed, it was just for a short while to get a new cab. And I saw like people wearing guns all over the place. Yeah. And then uh, I spoke to her brother when I came back. He said, if they would have found you there, <laughs> wow. you have a wow. nice Westerner. Subhanallah. So how did you get to, because I'm sure like in Yemen, like there was probably no way to get internet connection. Like how did you know you got accepted? How did you find out? Uh, that, that That's pretty interesting. When I was in Yemen, uh, they had internet cafe at uh, that time. So uh-huh. when like, there were no uh, internet on the, on the phone and so on. Mm. So one time a week, I went to the internet cafe to get yeah. like news. Yeah. So one time a week, I was like updated what's happening in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the last, then you go back into last it. week, and I go back to, to studies. <laughs> Allah yeah. So I got a call. No, it was one brother was there. He got a call from someone that said that I was accepted. So I was mm. like shocked. I said, okay, I have to go. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Mashallah, And this is two thousand five. That's 2005 in the summer, and then I went to to Medina after that. MashaAllah. Jimmy, so you were there for seven months. Now, um, going to Medina, like you go back to Sweden, you're packing your bags, you're like, okay, class, I'm accepted. How was your family feeling about now you came back from Yemen, Uh, Abu Dhabi from some random messenger guy, (laughs) now you're going going to Medina? (laughs) Uh, That was not so good but it's uh, Saudi Arabia is more developed than Yemen yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's better in one way but they said can't you go back to Abu Dhabi so once you get there um, Mahad you didn't study in Mahad because yeah. you 
I, I was supposed to, to study in the Ma'had. Uh, all of the brothers said you should go to the Ma'had and so on. Mm-hmm. And I went to interview with the Sheikh from Kulat Sharia. Mm-hmm. He said, no, 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 you shouldn't go to, to Ma'had, you know, Arabic, khalas. So I said, okay, well, should I go? I was prepared to go to the Ma'had. I didn't think about any kuliya and anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he said, come to Kulat Sharia with me. Mm. So I was like, uh, okay, bismillah. So, <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, the next day I was in Kulat Sharia. Did so. you find it difficult jumping right into kuliya? Uh, yeah, in, in the beginning it was quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember especially, uh, <clears throat> like, we started to study Rawd al Nadir in in Usul al Fiqh, and that's mm-hmm. like two volumes. Yeah. And Usul al Fiqh is like new, new terminology course, and all yeah. these things. So I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is quite yeah, hard. Yeah. But Alhamdulillah, it was the first semester, and then the second semester, Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so would you say that um, seven months at the Maj is equivalent to two years in the Maj? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mashallah. I mean, your language, you said you spent seven months in, yeah. in Yemen, sir. Yeah. And did you pick up that language that allowed you to jump mad over the course of those seven months? Uh, yeah, two months in Abu Dhabi before that. And like when I was in Abu Dhabi, that, that was quite interesting too, because I was, uh, I was living with two Algerian brothers there mm. and they didn't know English, just a few words in English. So when he wrote to me in, uh, in Messenger, it was just a few words and so on so i had to speak arabic mm. and I, he was working in a maktaba islamia over there so i used to go to the maktaba to work with him mm. and sometimes he was going out for like doing things and i was left in the maktaba so people came in and started to ask me about <laughs> books yeah, and yeah, so on yeah, i was yeah. standing there wow. uh, yeah, yeah yeah so i was forced to start to speak arabic when i went quickly to quickly yeah, 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 yeah. and i think that's the best yeah, way the best. Yeah, uncomfortable yeah, 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 situations yeah, yeah. where yeah. you get forced to 100 yeah. percent, throwing you in the deep water yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you just get yeah, forced yeah. to swim yeah, yeah. mashallah jameen jameen so sharia tell us about that how how was it i mean jumping into that were they studying bidat mushahid at that time yeah yeah it was bidat mushahid i'm sure that had to been very interesting we had uh a scholar that taught us, uh, Sheikh Abdullah Zahim, is teaching now in the Masjid in Nabui. He's mashallah, he's uh, got a lot of knowledge when it comes to fiqh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first, our first teacher, the first semester in fiqh. Mm. So I remember the first day he got in and like mentioned five aqwal and something, and you have uh, this opinion and this opinion, and then the Hanafis they have two opinions. Uh, I was sitting there and was like, oh Sheikh. What's the Qur'an Raj? Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, no, you're in the university now. Antum mujtahidun. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to make tarjih. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah, so mujtahid. Not all of the teachers was like that, but he was, mashallah. Yani, he was, so for the viewers, can you give yeah. them maybe a, a, like, give us an intro or understanding of that book? I mean, we understand it, yeah. but, so why was this, why would this book be considered so difficult for a new student? Yeah. Uh, this book is an old book uh, written by Ibn Rushd, uh, uh, about fiqh al-muqaran, mm. uh, all of the madhahib. Compares, uh, comparison to fiqh. Uh, mm. between the madhahib. And usually when you start to re- uh, study fiqh, you study one madhahib yeah. at the time. But Jamia said, no, now you've reached uh, Jamia level. You've reached Jamia level, you study madhahib when you're in... Uh, high school, school and stuff, and so yeah, yeah, high school, that, but now in university, so you, and also they used to say that we accept students from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have different madhahib. Mm. So if we say that everyone <coughs> coming here should study madhab al Hanbali, and most of the students that come from outside of Saudi Arabia, they are Malikis, Shafis, mm-hmm. and Hanafis, then that's not good. Yeah, and even I, I think some countries they don't like that. 
يعني their students are coming there and studying just the humble madhab and they see like okay they leave in the madhab of the country and so on so what the jamia did is that they taught like this book written by a Malik scholar the in fiqh al-muqarang comparative fiqh and so students could learn about the different madhahib like the middle path to all of the students yeah Jamil so how do you feel now about the jamia recently they changed it last few years yeah and I heard they're gonna change it back really to fiqh al-muqarang yeah okay Mumtaz Tayyip so going into now you finished the kulia you're going into your your masters was it in shari as well it was in aqidah right yeah. Mumtaz, tell us about that, like uh, your topic. And mashallah, you gave me a copy yeah. of your risala. Tell us about this risala and the importance of it. Yeah. Uh, my my risala is about a person, uh, his name is Muhammad Asad. Mm. He was an Austrian Jew, mm. uh, his name Leopold Weiss. Mm. Uh, and then he became a Muslim and took the name Muhammad Asad when he was 26 years old. Mm. He lived here in Saudi Arabia in the late 20s. Uh, early 30s mm. like when Malik Abdul Aziz mm. uh, established no, 1920s. the state. yeah 1926 mm. to 1932 I think mm. something mm. like that he was mm. living in Saudi Arabia and he actually got to know Malik Abdul Aziz King Abdul Aziz those days yeah because he was he was a Austrian journalist and King Abdul Aziz was establishing the state here mm-hmm. so he um, he took him like as an advisor mm. about issues, how to deal with Westerners and uh, and different things. So he got to know the royal family here and some of the scholars here and so on. Uh, and then he went to Pakistan mm. uh, after that. He had some issues here. Uh, it's quite unsure why he, why he went there. but And then he got affected of the whole rationalistic uh, school mm. of thought. Okay. Uh, so you can see Neo Mu'tazilis, uh, yeah, yeah. or Muhammad Abdu, and, and, and these uh, rationalistic aqlaniyin. Uh, mm. So, what made you pick <laughs> that topic? Uh, he has a translation of the Quran mm. uh, to English, mm. and this translation, or the commentaries of this translation, is translated to Swedish. Okay. So, this is the main translation that we have in Swedish. Okay. Uh, and when I, when I first converted, it was like the first day, I think. They said to me, we have this translation of the Qur'an, but there are many mistakes in it. Mm. Uh, and we don't really have a good translation of the Qur'an in Swedish. So uh, this is one of the first things that I heard when I converted to Islam. Subhanallah, that's yeah. the kuchi, that's the kuchi. Yeah, and, and then I was like, I always heard that <clears throat> it's a good translation when it comes to, to the Swedish language because the guy that translated it, or the person that translated from English to Swedish, he was a Swedish ambassador and uh, mm. converted to Islam in Morocco. Okay. So he was like, he had a high level of uh, Swedish language and mm-hmm. so on. So the language in the book is is good, but they have a lot of aqidah mistakes in it. Okay. So I was like, okay, I want to make a study of, of the of the translation, the original translation by Muhammad Asad. Which was in English. Which, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was really nice because I had the chance to go through the tafsir of the Quran from the beginning to the end. Mm. I had to read the translation, have to go through uh, Imam Tabari, Ibn Kathir, and so on, the, the big scholars of tafsir, mm-hmm. and also what the Sahaba said about the verses that he uh, interpreted in like in a rationalistic way. So it was very, very nice to be close to the Quran all of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it was a great opportunity close to the Quran and study Aqid at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Montaz. Did you um did you ever look at the Swedish translation to see if they were actually the same? Or yeah, was it yeah. Translation? Sometimes even the the, the translated uh, the translated to Swedish, 
he made some commentaries where he thought that <clears throat> Muhammad Asad went too far. Uh, made a mistake. Yeah, he made okay. a mistake. Okay. Usually, he agreed with him. Okay. But maybe like 10, 15 times, he said like, no, no, no this is a bit too far. Like, wow. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's quite good also to see, because sometimes, you know, uh, many times people that spread innovations, they use ambiguity when they're mm, speaking. They mm-hmm. speak, it's quite hard to understand what does he really want to say gotcha. here. Yeah. So mm. it was good to go back to the Swedish translation sometimes to see how he understood what he would try to say. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that benefited me too. I think generally speaking, I think it's very beneficial when someone comes from the West and <coughs> studies here in Saudi Arabia and then does his master's or his PhD related to something back in his country yeah. so Definitely. that he benefits 100%. his community. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, you know, doing the same thing that everyone else is doing yeah, yeah. i mean even so, the teachers they say the same thing like yeah. they want you to do something that's gonna be jadid to you in your community you know yeah, something yeah. new that you guys can put forth or they want you to do something that's going to give you tasil yeah in yeah. that not like a firm get uh a firm uh basis basis so, yeah. in that which you already studied yeah. that's which why I, you see a lot of people go like the jahud of so-and-so like yeah. the hard yeah. the, the efforts of so-and-so because you get to go through all his books of tawheed and aqidah mm. And it gives you that firm grasp. Inshallah, I'm, I'm looking to do something like that as well, inshallah. So we we'll have to speak after that, inshallah. Can you do that in tafsir, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In, in, in my qism, my the jami'ah, mm. same thing again. If you do something in English or whatever, they'll accept it straight away, mashallah. It's much easier for us. Mm. And um, with my murshid now, I'm actually talking with him regarding something similar to this, inshallah. But it's like an aqidah twist, though. Yeah, this one has an aqidah twist. But in tafsir, obviously, this is even... This is very close to tafsir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I did the same topic yeah. today, it would have been accepted yeah. as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, of course. Because okay. I'm studying a, a book of tafsir. Of, of tafsir. Mom but, but one important point, Akhin, I think you must have come across that when you were doing this, uh, or just generally speaking, something that most people don't know, which is that every person that does a translation of the Quran, he's actually making tafsir of the Quran. Yes. I think most yes. people don't realize that. Mm. They think this person is just a translator. No, when it comes to the Quran, he is translating what he understood. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of like he's a mufassir. So he yeah. has to fulfill the shurut of a mufassir. And that's where most of the translators of the Quran, they go wrong. Mm. They know Arabic and they know English and then they think they can translate the Quran. La, you have to fulfill all of the conditions yeah. of a scholar of tafsir. Sahih. Be a person that can do tafsir. Or what you can do is you can translate the books of tafsir. That's a different story. Mm. If you want to translate the Quran directly, then... And the most important thing that I got right, aqidah, because if he will go back and uh, translate Ar-Rahman Al-Arsh Istawa. Yeah. Uh, how will he translate Istawa? If he will go back to the books of uh, language, yeah. especially if uh, the person who wrote the book of language is uh, Ash'ari or Mu'tazili or anything like that, he might translate the verse in accordance to... to yeah, so the, the most important thing is that he can write Aqidah. Yeah. So we can understand how, how the scholars how the Salaf uh, translated the, the, these verses, and, uh, or how, how they interpreted Now, what was, what was one of the um, most standout thing that you've seen in his translation? Like, what was something that you was like, wow, I can't believe he gave his tafsir to this, like this? Is there anything that, you, that stood out in your research? Uh, the thing with the translation, that he, he gave out the first ajza of the translation in the 60s. Mm. So when uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ibrahim, rahimahullah, heard about it, he said that is there are uh, they have to to like uh, burn it. Wow. Yeah. Because wow. so yeah, and Lejat al-Daimah say wafiha kufriyat wadha. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. You, you yeah. mentioned uh, your muqaddimah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tra- translate that. I don't say burn it or <laughs> that, yeah, you have to get rid of it because uh, you can't you can't uh, 
you can't uh, publish th this book because of so many mistakes. And that was only like five Ajza or something that he translated in those days. Uh -huh. Then he finished it in the in the 80s. So so without 20 years span, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a long time. Translate that part that you said about... Uh, uh, Kufra, uh, the clear clear unbelief. Yeah, disbelief. Disbelief, disbelief. So the whole thing was just like completely... He he has mistakes when it comes to Asma'u Sifat, like <clears throat> most of the Mu'tazid and Shaira, but he also like makes ta'wil of uh, angels speaking mm. about us as forces uh, making ta'wil of their uh, wings uh, mm. when it comes to uh, prophets speaking about uh, Musa alayhi salam speaking mm. about different prophets in an uh, unsuitable way uh, speaking about yawm al-akhir all of the verses when it comes to paradise and hell and so on it makes ta'wil about the what, what do you think gave him the uh, the go ahead to go and start giving tafsir to the Quran you know, being new Muslim, right, and just mm. going to Pakistan, what made him go and want to write this translation or say uh, in English? You can really see that he tries to approach the Western mind in his uh, translation. Uh, so he just so yeah, yeah, he's trying to even when it comes to Sharia things and speaking about hudud and these things, uh, punishment in the Quran, he's trying to make it like in a way kind of secularized yeah. uh, form of Islam. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was really clear that he was affected on his upbringing. Mm -hmm. He was originally a Jew uh, that converted to Islam. He came from, a, like, his grandfather was a rabbi and he came from a religious family. But during the uh, after-war period in, in uh, b between the World War One and World War Two in, uh, in Europe, it was, uh, like, a lot of secularization and so on. He was affected of... Uh, by uh, Sigmund Freud when it comes to so even put some psychology the theories yeah. in the book and so on so it had all these effects at the same time and then he met Mustafa Maraghi who was one of the students yeah. or uh, of Muhammad Abdul the, the yeah. same school yeah. rationalistic school and he met him before he became a Muslim and he's uh, he thought that was like okay this is quite nice and then he became a Muslim in Saudi Arabia and then he left and he went like kind of back to that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So these so, things that he's mentioned, the yeah. wheel of the angels and lights, all of that is what that madrasa believes in. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the likes. Yeah. They, they do but the he, same thing that Arabic even went tafsir. further than, uh, than some of the Aklanin. Yeah. Mm. Subhanallah. Muhammad Abdi, yeah. Subhanallah. So what is it now? Is there any Swedish tafsirs that you would recommend that people go back to or is there something? Because you said at that time when you became yeah, first became yeah, Muslim, yeah. that was the only thing available. Yeah. Is there anything now? There's one be? translation now uh, that's going to come out, inshallah. Okay, my brother. Yeah. Mumtaz, yeah, Mumtaz, Jamil, Jamil. Yeah. So after that, um, you complete your uh, your masters, and mashallah, you had uh, Sheikh Salah Sindi. He was your yeah, mushrif. Yeah, alhamdulillah. How was that? And he even went on even in a PhD to be your mushrif. Yeah, yeah, alhamdulillah. How was that having him as your mushrif? Uh, very good, alhamdulillah, because Sheikh Salah, uh, first of all, mashallah, he got a a lot of knowledge yeah. uh, and mashallah very good akhlaq mm. and he is uh, he really cares when he is a supervisor so mm. to have him as a supervisor a lot of students want him as a supervisor because he will really read every single word in in, in the in, in your book subhanallah he will not leave anything and he will make a comments on yani, your language and uh, like how you write your bath and all uh, did you guys meet up frequently like yeah, yeah every week every mashallah, week we're sitting okay. down and discussing the bath and so on so Jimmy so in the beginning uh, mashallah his red pen was all over the world <laughs> it was like a red <laughs> red paper <laughs> subhanallah, subhanallah. So, I think yeah. it's one of the major benefits of 
these sort of rasail that eventually get printed because yeah. they've gone through so much scrutinization yeah, 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 of yeah. scholars. Yeah. You can really, really trust it. You can. Sahih. And also, this risala after was like, like you said, I had Sheikh Salah Sindh as a supervisor, and then I had three teachers that made the monakasha. It's usually two because I had two uh, supervisors. I had uh, Sheikh Salah Sindh. And Dr. Fa'ab Rahim who wrote the books on Medina. Uh, the Arabic books. Arabic Medina. books yeah. on Medina. Yeah. So I had to have three munaqashin that make munaqasha. Because of the language as well. Uh, yeah. so, he's, so he's checking also the language, make sure you're translating everything yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm. So I had three munaqashin that made munaqasha. And then after that, Jami'at uh, al Medina, they printed a book. And if they want to print the book, they have to make tahkim. They Two other wow. scholars have to read it too. <laughs> wow. So yeah. it goes through all a very, yeah, very so fine type of uh, yeah, filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah alhamdulillah. So that was good. And plus, uh, also with Dona Risala, uh, I think it's the same in Medina where the Manakash is like three hours, right? Yeah, I think it was like two hours or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Jameer, Jameer. So what made you, um, after that, you switched a little bit and then you went into atheism yeah. for your PhD. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I wanted to write another essay mm. about uh, tafsir. I, I thought like uh, or translation of the Quran, and then uh, I spoke to Sheikh Salah Sindi and I asked him. I said like, "What do you think about that?" He said, "You've done that." Mm-hmm. And at that time, he started a markaz in uh, uh, that's inside of the Jamia. Mm. It's under Jamia al Aqida. Uh, the Jamia al Aqida just to explain yeah. in all of Saudi Arabia. They have associations or societies for different subjects. So you have Jamiat al-Fiqh, uh, the teachers or the Dakatera or the doctors of Fiqh in all of the Saudi Arabian universities. Uh, they uh, they are associated with this uh, Jamiat al-Fiqh. So they, if they want to make like, uh, if you want to go from uh, assistant professor to associate professor to professor, you have to publish some, uh, some academic uh, articles. Mm-hmm. And they usually have like uh, a scientific journal that mm. you can uh, publish your your research research to. through and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have like uh, I think in Jamiat al-Imam they have Jamiat al-Sunnah mm-hmm. uh, in a Hadith. Uh, you have in some uh, you have Jamiat al-Qada, and uh, but in the Jamiat Islamiya they have Jamiat al-Aqidah, but it's also like teachers from from other universities that are mm-hmm. connected to Jamiat. Jamia. So this Jamia started an organization called Markaz Yaqeen or Yaqeen لنقد الحاد الدينين. Sheikh Salah Sindi was responsible for that uh, about refuting atheism. Mm-hmm. So he spoke to me and he said, uh, "Couldn't you write anything about atheism?" And I was like, "Oh, atheism, reading about shubahat <laughs> and so on." But at the same time, I came from a secular background. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so I have been exposed to these kind of shubahat before. Uh, so I said, okay, maybe I'll, I'll give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I took that subject to write about that. Well, and then I started to work with uh, Marcus Yaqeen. In, uh, title of the subject. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called Rudud Ulama Al-Gharb Al-Had Al-Mu'asir Ard wa Naqt. So it's a refutation of Western scholars of uh, contemporary atheism. A presentation and critique. Mm-hmm. So, so the refutations of not even those Western scholars don't necessarily need to be Muslim. Or they're not no, 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 no. Usually not non-Muslim. Usually Christians. Some are you know, Jews, and, but, but most of them are Christians. They're mm. refutations of yeah. atheism. Yeah, atheism, and what we can benefit from these refutations, and what mistakes they have at the same time. Uh, okay. So some like they they can refute some uh, 
scientific uh, theories that they have, like say like evolution theory and so on, they can mention some good things when it comes to that because they are specialized in, in biology and chemistry and all these subjects. But at the same time, when they are refuting atheism in some ways, they usually bring up Christianity or they have their... Even Christianity, it's not only that they have problems when it comes to like uh, Trinity and these things. Mm -hmm. They also have problems when it comes to Asma wa Sifat. Because most of them are Mu'attila. They are yeah. denying the, the, Names and attributes, uh, the, uh, the uh, attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because yeah. they are affected in the same way as the Mutakallimun. Yeah. They are affected of uh, Greek, uh, Greek philosophy and so on. Wow, yeah. so you're doing Naqti. You're like critiquing not only uh, atheism, but then the yeah, people so who refuted them, you're critiquing them yeah, as you go yeah, along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you stick to one particular language? In uh, English, yeah. English, yeah. so the English scholars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, English-speaking scholars, some of the books are translated from other, other languages, but usually uh, it, it's in English. Yeah. Okay, Montez. So, so the head of the Bahath, really the objective is to show people that, hey, it's not just, atheism is not just wrong from Islamic perspective. Yeah. Even scientifically, yeah, the yeah. scientists don't even accept yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that, that's one uh, one of the purposes and aims. And the other one is that uh, many Muslims, especially in Muslim countries, if they hear that Professor John something said mm. something about yeah. biology, and then a Sheikh said something else. Mm -hmm. uh, they say, okay, this is a sheikh, he shouldn't speak about this subject <laughs> yeah. and so on. But this is a professor in Western and yeah, so on. Yeah. So I wanted to show people here too that there are many Western scholars at the same time who are refuting uh, atheism. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they have what is called in Arabic, I don't know how to translate it, but hazima fikriya. It's called mm. like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how to translate that either. It's uh, ideological, what, what you call defeatism. it? Defeatism. Uh, yeah, defeatism or. Yeah. Uh, I think about defeatism, uh, yeah. Not, not superiority. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, complex in kind inferiority. Of inferiority mm, complex. Okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. They say, okay, there are Westerners and they have said uh, this and this and yeah, that and so yeah. on. So you can show them that they also refute atheism. Mm. Uh, they have scholars refuting atheism, and some some of the refutations that they got are quite good. Are quite good. So you can benefit from them, but at the same time, they have this mistake. So, and I also one of the reasons too, there are so many. Uh, when atheism started to spread in some Muslim countries, you can see some Muslims, they want to uh, defend the aqidah in any way. Like some someone is attacking you, you will take a stick, you will take a rock, you will take anything <laughs> just to throw it at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what I saw. So they say, oh, someone is uh, uh, refuting atheism. Okay, I'll take this, this, this rudu too. Yeah. And I saw some, uh, some dua speaking about these things and they're taking, especially from like William Lane Craig and some of them, uh, some of the Christian missionaries, mm -hmm. uh, they're taking their things and making uh, saying the thing, same things that they are saying, uh, philosophical uh, wordings and uh, terminology and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was the same kind of mistakes that the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila used to have when they started to negate uh, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, not so, filtering. Yani, yeah, no, not filtering. Just say, oh, it's a good refutation. I'll take it. And use the same kind of terminology you speak about, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which you call al-fad mujmala. Uh, like uh, ambiguous, yeah, yeah, ambiguous, yeah. ambiguous words. And you say Allah is not like that. And you use a word that has not been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, uh, and it can mean different things. So you say Allah is not this, Allah is not that, but has not been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. And if you say that He is not like that, mm -hmm. you need proof. Yeah, you need proof, and at the same time, it might be that you negate 
some of his attributes exactly because mm -hmm. they might mean something else yeah yeah, yeah. so what was what was the d most difficult thing that you ran into while doing your research uh both of the research, uh, both of the theses, was, I had to translate. So mm. translating from from English to to Arabic uh, to really understand it. But the second one was much harder because I I went into quantum fix, physics and cosmology and chemistry <laughs> and psychology and sociology and <laughs> all logic yeah, that you, yeah. philosophy <laughs> and, and then to un really understand it because usually i had to give in like a chapter each week mm -hmm. so now i have something about psychology so reading about <laughs> psychology this week understand it really good and then uh, write it and then maybe like a chapter can be 10 15 20 pages wow and then leave it in and then i have to correct the old yeah yeah the old so, one so yeah, yeah, yeah subhanallah so it was yeah was there anything like going through it where it was like this is like kind of just too much uh especially in the end because we had uh, i had to leave it in and i was not finished with the whole bath so it was really really stressing okay, in the end. yeah okay. it was really much to write and sometimes you know you know quantum physics scholars of quantum physics said the one who say to you that he understands quantum physics does not understand quantum physics. <laughs> it's so hard to understand. And these are like Nobel Prize winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there and I don't know quantum physics. <laughs> trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so trying to understand quantum physics. So like listening to how people explain it in an easy way and then it's reading fun. other books and so on and going into it. And really to understand, I can't go into all of it, but to understand how atheists are trying to use mm -hmm. these subjects to 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 spread their atheism. Did, what would you be your advice to those people who might be uh, struggling, like on the border with going with atheism, especially the Shabab? Mm -hmm. Like, what would what would be your advice as far as to stay away from it? What would you advise them? I I, I can say like this. Um, sometimes when people are speaking about why people are becoming atheism uh, atheists, they look at uh, different. Uh, about different shubahat that they have and so on. But usually what I've seen, because I've been working with Pakistan Yaqeen now for uh, eight years, mm -hmm. and I've made like uh, I've been sitting and speaking to people that have atheist shubahat for hundreds of hundreds of times. Usually there are psychological factors behind it. Mm. So they say ah quantum physics or they say evolutionary theory, but the problem is not there. Mm. Uh, like we spoke about the inferiority uh, complex. The, the problem is not what... Uh, evolution theory says the problem is that westerners are saying uh -huh. it if it will be someone else from a country that does not have like the things that the westerners have they would not have the problem subhanallah yeah mm. they, they're not really listening to the arguments they, they have issues they mm -hmm. have issues they have mm -hmm. problems shows the importance of quoting those people that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Against, yeah yeah and also to really understand where where is the problem so when you speak to someone to understand where is the problem because if he if you let him speak about other things, mm -hmm. you're not doing him a favor. You yeah. should take him back. What is the real problem? What, what, yeah, what, what yeah. problem do you really have? Many times you say, oh, you know, my father used to beat me when I was a kid and when mm. I was not praying and so on. I had problem with this and this and that. And most of them have these psychological things. Uh, and another thing that I think is really important is that we really contemplate of the Quran. Uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the kuffar mm -hmm. and mentioned the people that left Islam, uh, or did not accept Islam, that Allah mentions the reasons. Mm -hmm. That Allah closed their hearts. Mm -hmm. Why? They mention reasons. Mm -hmm. no. 
for that in the Quran, in different mm. ayahs. Mm. You can say like uh, the verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allah says, O you who believe, answer the call of Allah and His Messenger when they call you. So you can, so He will give you life. Know that Allah can come between a person and His heart. So the scholar says the reason for that is that if a person does not make istijaba, does not answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet, this can be one of the punishments mm. that you will go astray. Many verses about that. Yeah, translate that, huh? And Allah said that we will turn their hearts mm. and their eyes mm. uh, just the way that they did not believe in it the first time. So because they rejected the truth when Allah made it clear to them, because Allah says, Allah will clarify to everyone and give them their guidance. Mm -hmm. Allah will give everyone their guidance, but some people accept it, some reject it. So, so those that reject it, Allah will close their hearts because they initially, when they rejected the truth, Allah closed their hearts. So that's one of the asbab. Uh, one of the biggest asbab that I have seen is arrogance. To be mm. arrogant mm. and to look down on others. Allah mentioned that about Fir'aun. Mm. That Allah closed his heart. Why? Because he's mutakabbar, mm. he's uh, arrogant, and jabbar. He was uh, like transgressing yeah. and mm. uh, oppressing others. Tyrant. So this is also, you can see like many atheists especially their du'at and their, their callers and so on, they're usually arrogant. They, they look down on others. You can see the difference but when you're speaking to usually many Christians. Mm. Christians can be, like Allah has already mentioned about them, when they hear the message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can see in their eyes that they start to cry. Mm. So many Christians, they can be more humble. Mm. I'm not speaking about everyone. Now you have the, the whole Western culture that you should be like believing yourself and so on. And they, they are affected of the whole yeah. capitalistic culture and uh, so on. But Christians in the beginning, especially in the days of the Prophet Wasallam, they were much closer to Islam and it was easier for them to accept because they used to be more humble mm -hmm. than atheists and then some other religions and so on. Yeah. So generally speaking... Um, like so the that, what you're saying pretty much is talking about the asbab right yeah. of how people fall into atheism yeah. now what about somebody who is affected with the shubahat of the atheists themselves i think they if they have that they they should look at their self first mm. of all why Fix do you have themselves. this problem yeah yeah mm. should reflect upon their own situation it might be that they have been uh, they are arrogant mm. they're looking down on others it uh, might okay. be that they have uh, not made istijabat lillahi wa rasul uh, that Allah is going to call them to do things and say no no I should not do so it. just focus on themselves and stay in their they, lane yeah. and their problem will go away like uh, this it might be like that but mm. I think this is the first thing you can see yeah. like the, the salaf how they used to always reflect on things that happened around them mm -hmm. by uh, reflecting upon their own condition mm. they used to say that if I saw something in my wife yeah. some bad things that she did to me yeah yeah I was thinking about my own sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This no. is how they always reflected. Now, the problem with many people today, if they have a problem, they want to blame others. Exactly. They want to blame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, accountability. Yeah. no accountability. No, no accountability. Mm. You should look at yourself. Okay, now, some, especially if it's someone that comes to you and complains and says, I have a shubahat. 
uh, it's not the best thing that you ask him. So, okay, what are the shubahat? And I can answer, why uh, do you have shubahat? Uh-huh. Yeah. What is the reason? You know, I go into these web pages and I'm uh, always yeah, looking so at true, it. Yeah. Okay, why? Yeah, yeah, why do you expose yourself? Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't. Allah. Yeah, you shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's where you've gone wrong. Yeah. 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 So, so really understanding these things because, like I said, I can see sometimes that the debates, mm-hmm. uh, you allow them to uh, to go away from things, you go away from the core subject. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the most important thing is here. You allow them to speak about like issues that are really far away. That it's not, it's not. It could even the expose the listeners to more shubahat. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was my next question. Um, what's your take, like generally speaking, like when it comes to these atheist debates? Yeah. Because this is picking up big time these days, especially yeah. on YouTube and mm-hmm. things like that. I spoke about that in my, my risala, about munadharat, mm-hmm. uh, debates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scholars have mentioned that debates can be done mm-hmm. uh, with so- certain conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the conditions is that you shouldn't expose everyone to look at them. Yeah, you can go there to them to uh, debate their things amongst them. Behind to, closed yeah, doors. And so exactly. But now you can see that uh, you have an atheist. He will be allowed to speak for fifteen minutes, and you should speak for fifteen minutes, and then he speak for fifteen minutes, and you both. And sometimes it, I can understand that it's hard hmm. to refute every single thing that he mentions. Yeah. But the atheists, you know, especially they are making jokes, they're yeah. sarcastic, and so on. And they can mention maybe in 15 minutes uh, 10 shubahat. And he, if he wants to answer, he can also uh, only answer two of them or three of them because he really wants to answer yeah, in a good yeah, way. Yeah. Okay, now you have exposed Muslims for 10 shubahat that you did not answer. And this is a problem. Yeah, there, there's yeah. actually a rule regarding that. Um, they call it the, the BS rule, but we'll call it falsehood, right? <laughs> they say we'll use falsehood instead. They say that it's much easier to say falsehood mm. than to refute it. Yeah. Mm. So to just say falsehood is easy. You can yeah. make claims, you yeah, can yeah, lie, yeah. you can say whatever you like. But then to refute someone mm. that spews falsehood, yeah. to refute it now, you need to look for evidences. Yeah. It's much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is why Twitter is so so dangerous because in Twitter, you can only write a certain amount of characters. Yeah. So he mentioned a shubha. Why is Islam doing this and this and this and that? Yeah. And he mentioned a lot of questions and it's... Uh, and then if you want to answer, much like yeah. I have, have <laughs> a, a thread <laughs> with like... <laughs> that nobody reads, by yeah, the way. no one reads. So th- th- this is... And oh, the same thing with like TikTok and, and, and Instagram. You make a short video. If you want oh, to I answer understand. all the things, uh, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. So I think th- these debates, I can understand why people do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand the whole takeoff. Okay, uh, they are spraying the shubahat. You have to show them that you're stronger. And so I, I can understand the whole thing. But I think it's really dangerous. Yeah, yeah, And definitely. especially you have Muslims, especially many people, they watch the debates not for to, to that they had shubahat before and they want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They want action. You know, people like, oh, it's a conflict. Yeah. I can show, yeah. okay. It's entertainment. Yeah, it's then, entertainment yeah. and so on. And then you get exposed to some shubahat because Long some time. of them, these people, they have, they have shubahat and they for can sure. mention things about Islam. And then you go around and think about, yeah, really, he said something and then... This is uh, yeah, it's yeah, he can heart, be more you know? fasih in the way he delivers it. Yeah, yeah, yeah more yeah. eloquent in a way, and it just yeah, sticks yeah. to you. Yeah. So yeah. I think that what I'm trying to say is that if you are going to refute them, don't now, if you like, promote that on your own channel. Expose it yeah. to the public. Expose it to your audience. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if he's gonna put it on his video, that yeah. might be a benefit because he's got fifty thousand YouTube followers. Yeah. That uh, probably you would never get to. Yeah. 
So he posts it on his channel, maybe. Or even it's better just to do it behind closed doors. Generally. I, I, I think so. Not I think publicly. so because I, I've yeah. seen so many things. Even when you make debates, uh, even if you're really good in debating, at that single moment, you might forget something. Of course. You, yeah, don't, of course. you don't really know how to answer it, and you have to keep this uh, whole facade. You yeah. say, like, okay, uh, you try to give some kind of answer and try to be convincing at the same time. But it's not a good answer. Yeah, and yeah, I saw yeah. some debates like this week. Your answer is it's not good. Yeah, it's, it's a weak not, rebuttal. Yeah, it's a weak and rebuttal. if you make ten good points <laughs> and one very weak point, people are gonna stick with that one weak point. Of course, that's what's gonna stick with them. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's quite interesting, like especially when you see debates between a Muslim and a Christian. Mm-hmm. You can see that Christian is putting on his channel and the Muslim is putting on his channel. You see all of the Christians say, "Oh, you won the debate, and you're not strong." And <laughs> all the Muslims like. So it seems like. I think it's very seldom that someone really, he's a, like a strong Christian, a uh, believing Christian, and he watches this debate between a Christian and Muslim, then he will change his mind because yeah. of that. Because he's like, and he's Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, if you're probably a strong Christian, you probably say anything, you attribute the deficiency to that yeah. that person doing a oh, debate. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. no, nah, he didn't I mean, explain it good yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually yeah. don't, they're not compelled to come become Muslim anyway. Yeah. And, there's so, so much people. prestige and everything and it's like you said it's like entertainment yeah, at the course. same time and so on I, I, I think and yeah I think it's also connected to the concept of uh, preserving the Ra'sul Mal mm. it's much more important than looking for a prophet like yeah. your Ra'sul Mal is your audience you got three, four, five, six, seven thousand people who yeah. want the khair that are following yeah, you yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that takes more precedence than trying to gain maybe 10 new mm-hmm. Muslims or 20 new Muslims so how would you expose them to yeah. something and, and put them get a few people coming to uh, maybe maybe exposed to Islam yeah. but you're lo- losing 20 to 30 people to Shubhat yeah. Yeah. are you exposing which, your entire audience you? to Shubhat yeah who trusted you mm-hmm. and that's an amana on your shoulder Yani on the day of judgment, yani, it's not our responsibility to guide everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But we are held responsible if we're a reason out of recklessness of people becoming, becoming misguided Allah and exposed Allah. to shubhat. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, something very interesting connected to atheism that I, I came across one of your videos earlier this morning. It was connected to suffering. Mm. like, And I didn't know this, that like, one of suffering is a root cause with a lot of atheists. Yeah. Like automatically they'll say like, why is Allah testing me with this? Or why is God testing me with this? Why did God wouldn't, you know, kill my child if that if he was really real and things like that? Can you explain that a little bit more, like for the audience, like how them two are really in line? Yeah. Uh I, I think one of the reasons uh why uh the problem of evil, the problem of suffering, uh, they call it, uh is uh, affecting people so much mm. because it's something that is close to people most people have suffered in their life in mm-hmm. in some way with the, the diseases or they have someone around them that have suffered yeah. or they see in television they see people that suffer when it comes to other uh, atheist shubahat that they have speaking about cosmology what happened before the speaking about big bang and all these things Many people, it's like a non-issue for them. Yeah. Okay, you said 13.7 billion years ago. <laughs> yeah, but now someone is speaking and is saying suffering and he said, yeah, 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 my mother, is, she's got cancer. So and so on. Yeah. So this emotional. is something that is yeah. emotional and it's close to you. Right. It's yeah. close to your yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, like you open television and you see people, you see kids suffering and so on. So this is something that can really affect people in different ways. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I have a, like like you said I have a a whole thing about it on blog and theology. It, it, is uh, it, so is, I'm sorry to cut you off, but is it relatively new this issue suffering? Uh, no, uh, th- people thinking about suffering mm. is something that I think have been around since the beginning of mankind. Uh-huh. People thinking about it 
why they are suffering and trying to explain it in accordance to their worldview. Because the thing that I always mention is suffering and uh, evil is not something that only the the Muslim is thinking about. Mm. Even the atheist, yeah. even the Hindu, even everyone is thinking about suffering and trying to understand it in accordance to his worldview. Mm-hmm. And what I try to show in my uh, in my thesis is that no one can answer this issue better than a Muslim. Allah Akbar. Yeah, because an atheist, okay, why is it? Why is the world here mm-hmm. at all? They, yeah. they can't even explain why the universe is here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and why is it something uh, that is good and what that is bad? Mm-hmm. Why are we more people healthy than sick? We mm. could be, uh, we can have like thousands of different diseases, but usually we don't have any disease. Mm. Why is the body working in the way that it is? If there is no creator that created mm. us with uh, with all this design yeah. and so on, mm-hmm. so there are many many issues that are really hard for the atheist to explain, but it's also harder for him to cope with suffering. Mm-hmm. You see, someone who is an atheist and is about to die in cancer, he does not believe that he will get uh, away with his, uh, his sins will be forgiven. Uh, there is a paradise mm. that Allah is will reward him mm. and so on. It's just everything is just useless. Everything is no purpose like a, like and so a, on. Like a really like pessimistic type of approach to life. Yeah. Everything is just against yeah. me type of thing. There's a very interesting book uh, written by uh, uh, a Jew who was a psychologist. Uh, his name is Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a book called "What's the uh, uh, the purpose of." Something a purpose of life or something like that. Mm-hmm. He got a, a theory in psychology called logotherapy. Mm-hmm. He said that the most important way to cope with uh, distress in life is through finding meaning in the distress, mm-hmm. f- finding a meaning in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have a meaning with life, this is when a problem uh, get hard. Mm-hmm. He was in Auschwitz and he got out and he wrote his book about these things. And he saw that the people that could cope with life in the concentration camps and so on were the ones that... Uh, had a meaning with their lives. Mm-hmm. If you're an atheist, you don't have an objective meaning with life. Mm-hmm. There's nothing bigger, there's nothing transcendent with your life. Yeah. So finding meaning in your specific suffering right now, a Muslim can say, okay, there's a broader meaning in life. I'm here uh, in this world, it's in this dunya. It's a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an iqtibar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if I cope with that test, I will come to paradise forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Now I have a disease. Allah will forgive me for my sins. He will take me up in, in darajat, in, mm-hmm. in, in levels. Mm-hmm. So you can see, even when some of these sufferings come to you, you can even take it and you see like, Alhamdulillah, this is something good for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. will take me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What can the atheist say? Exactly. What can he say? There's no akhirah, there's no afterlife, it's nothing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. There's no point at all. I spoke to an old atheist one time, he said, there's nothing cool to be old. <laughs> I'm growing old. There's nothing cool with that. It's like everything is like <laughs> just, wow. The, yeah, things yeah. are just getting ba- worse and worse, worse, worse and worse. worse. Yeah, wow. yeah. But as a Muslim, you like the hadith about Shaybat al-Muslim. You get yeah. gray hair, and it's like uh, everything. You can see a purpose and a meaning with the whole life, and with every specific thing that happened with you in your life. You can even reflect about things. Okay, this happened to me. I, I can take. Uh, I mentioned it before when I was uh, in a podcast. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I was a new Muslim and I went to the mosque and I had my jacket and I put my phone in, in my jacket. I put it in a place. It was in the winter. And then I prayed. I came back and someone uh, stole my phone. Mm. And I was a new Muslim. I was in the mosque. I was like, wow. what is this? Like, uh, I come to a mosque. It's a holy place. And people are seeing my phone. I could not see any hikmah with that. But I used to have all of the numbers to my old friends there. Uh-huh. All of my jahiliya friends there. Uh-huh. And they were living far away from me in another, uh, another area. So I was like, okay, I, I, I don't call them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got new friends, new Muslim friends. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So when I saw that in the beginning, it was like someone stole my phone. Then after that was a blessing from Allah subhanahu yeah, wa ta'ala. Yeah, yeah. And these are a lot of things in our lives. Allah, we can only see the wisdom uh, like maybe years after. Yeah, yeah, sahih. Yeah, sahih. Allah, well. I, I think that when you mentioned the suffering thing, I think it's related to something you mentioned earlier as well which is the lack of self-reflection. So yeah, yeah. in a way that when the atheist is like, why am I suffering? Why is this happening to me? Question is, okay, so if you're thinking to yourself, why is God doing this to me? Have you asked yourself when you are living in blessings, why Allah has blessed you? Yeah. You never yeah, ask yeah, yourself that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, why, did you, why am I suffering? Okay, yeah. why, why were you blessed? Yeah. You know, so yeah. why is it the only people that have this, you mentioned this, this psychological yeah. thing, which is, just thinking about yourself, mm-hmm. always being the victim, mm. always blaming something else. Don't blame yourself. You have to ask yourself, I'm suffering now. Why am I suffering? I must have done something wrong. Mm. Yeah. Because before I had blessings. Yeah. Okay. And I never asked questions then. <laughs> Why am I asking questions now? Yeah. You have to look back to yourself. So. I think that's related to something you mentioned earlier, mm. which is a lack of self-reflection. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Now, Muslims, mashallah, we have a, alhamdulillah, we have a nice approach to dealing with it. Like you already mentioned, you know, accepting the qadr and things like this. How do when your uh, your uh, research? What did you find that the atheists? How did they really deal with these type of questions, as far as suffering or hardships and? Uh, like he mentioned, they don't reflect upon their own worldview. Uh-huh. They only want to attack others. Uh huh. So, so automatically they just start attacking, attacking. Yeah, they attacking. started attacking others, and so your worldview, you have problems with that. The hardest mm. thing for an atheist is that you question their worldview, mm. because atheists. Atheism came as a reaction against Christianity in Europe. Yeah. So they are they are always the the, the critics and they're always the one attacking. The they are not used of getting questioned of their aqidah, yeah. of their worldview and how, okay, how can you explain everything? How mm-hmm. can you explain the whole universe that is here? How can you explain the uh, our uh, uh, thoughts that we can have? Mm-hmm. How can something uh, how can life come about? All these things, all the questions you can ask them, they're not used to that. Mm. They are used of criticizing, being sarcastic, and so on. Negating. Yeah, the, negating. Whole, the whole ideology is attacking. to negate something, yeah, yeah, attacking. but attacking. not establishing yeah. anything. Yeah. Mm. Just to negate yeah, yeah. and be like, that's not true, but okay, yeah. what do you have in... I, I saw like a meme or like a, a picture that made mm. some atheist that went to a house of someone with a blank paper and said, this is what we call you to. You know, the Christians, they come in with a, like, a whole pamphlet yeah, and so on. Yeah, yeah. So they say, okay, what you call it? What you call it? It's like, nothing. We're only attacking. You know? Subhanallah. Yeah. Subhanallah. So, Zakallah uh, what books would you recommend like on this topic as far as people who might be uh, dealing with it or even want to get more knowledge on atheism, generally speaking? Uh, I think uh, I asked you this question earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to answer it again. Uh, the thing is, like, w- when I started to work in Markaz Yaqeen inside of the Jamia, uh, there were very few books in Arabic. There are some books, but usually the books were not good. Mm-hmm. Then in the last 
five, six, seven years, there are many books, mm -hmm. many, many books in Arabic refuting atheism, refuting the, the, these different ideologies. Uh, there are many books by Christians mm -hmm. refuting atheism. These are the, the, the sources that I went back to in my essay. Mm -hmm. But I haven't found like really good books written by Muslims refuting <coughs> atheism uh, from a, from the from a point of view of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Gotcha. I, I think it's uh, it's a big shame that Muslims, like atheism has been around in, in Europe for 250 years. Mm. Muslims are now active in making da'wah and so on. You can see things on YouTube, you can see things and so on. But good books that really refute in, uh, not only from an ideological point of view, but also from a theological point of view, like really establishing the hujaj, mm -hmm. the arguments and so on. Uh, I, I haven't seen it. Is it possible that Yaqeen in, the Yaqeen, uh, in Medina, the Jamia, is it possible they can open like an English type of yeah. department? And yeah, work? Cause, I mean, because they have you. Yeah. You, I mean, your manager said it is in yeah. translating. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe bring some people in who can help translate. Yeah. I think that'll be some good work for some students. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> you know? I wanted to ask you, Yaqeen, um, about a website I came across, maybe that you know, uh, called Discovery. So th this this particular website, it's um. It's by scientists or people that ascribe themselves to scientists, not Muslims, right? But they just want to refute atheism. They want to establish what they call intelligent design mm. through science. Are yeah, you yeah, familiar yeah. With, with that website? Yeah, Discovery Institute, yeah. yeah. And they've got a lot of different materials as well. Did yeah, you review yeah. any of them? Would you advise anyone to benefit from any of their material? Yeah, the, the intelligent design movement is, uh, uh, they have some really deep books, uh, especially William Dembski. He got some deep books and uh, Jonathan Wells and some of them. They they have good books when it comes to refuting uh, uh, evolution theory and mention mentioning some issues pertaining to to design the, the design argument. Yeah. But at the same time, they are trying to make it as a, a purely uh, scientific theory. Yes. So they say. The only thing that we can say that there has to be an intelligent designer. We don't say who this designer is, yeah. his attributes, and so on. We say that science point at an intelligent designer. Mm. Yes. And uh, you can see many of, of them uh, that believes in uh, or promotes uh, intelligent design, like Michael Behe. At the same time, he's accepting most of the things in evolution theory. Mm. Yes. But he said that there has to be an intelligent designer behind there are some things in that evolution can explain mm. so this is where we say that there has to be an intelligent designer mm -hmm. okay. so they are accepting a lot of the things in the evolution theory and darwinian theory but like he got another book it's called the edge of evolution mm. so it's like the, there are some edges that they can't explain they can mm. explain a lot of things but not everything mm -hmm. yeah. so some of them are quite strong when it comes to to refuting you yeah. can benefit from some things yeah uh, but at the same time they have these issues yeah. and they have the the other like madhab uh, the other school of thought uh, amongst the christians called creationism and that's problematic too because they are basing their science on on uh, the bible uh, especially the, the creation account and the genesis and so on. And how uh, long ago things were created? Yeah, they yeah and they say uh, the, the world is like, it has to be exactly 6,000 years old and it has to be like this and it has to be like that. And there are many scientific mistakes in the Bible. Yeah. So if you say that you we have to uh, make this as the asal who have to go through uh, from it. Yeah. At the same time, there are many mistakes in it. So yeah, uh, Not to make as an asal. I mean, for example, as, as all of us, I can speak for myself as a youth that grew up in the West, mm. in Holland. 
done biology and, and these sort of things that for GCSE and A-levels. There's no doubt that evolution theory is batil, but there might be many youth out there that are a little bit affected by it. Like yeah. maybe, you know, maybe that is how, mm-hmm. how we came about. Mm-hmm. So f- from that direct, that, that angle, do you think one can, or specifically the tulab, they can take some of those arguments? Because I'll give you an example. There's a few things that were bothering me for a long time when it comes to evolution theory that, alhamdulillah for me, was a cause to absolutely not believe in it mm-hmm. throughout my life. For example, yeah. you know, something to do when they say survival of the fits, whatever, yeah, don't, don't go into details, but when I came across this website, I found that these objections that I had, they're actually concepts that other scientists yeah, are using refuted, yeah. to mm. refute. Because mm. they want to give you the impression in the West that evolution theory is the default. Mm. When in essence, there's a whole movement of scientists who are mm. not even Muslim, Negated. who are like, there, this, a, is, this is part of this yeah. is falsehood. So there's a web page called Revolution Against Evolution with 3,000 scholars, all that have PhD, they're refuting evolution. Yeah, so a lot <laughs> so of Muslims, like, yeah. And uh, you can see what they are saying, they're using what is called the, the majority argument. Mm. Okay, yeah. the majority, but what is say to people, the, the scientific consensus. Yeah. Consensus, what does consensus mean? Yeah. It's like, Everyone is on the train. If you have 3,000 PhD guys (laughs) not on the train, it's not a consensus. So they're using these kind of words. And usually, I I think most people, they don't really, uh, most Westerners also haven't really read the the arguments for and against evolution. Mm. If they, they learn about evolution, that this is something that is true, and they have learned about some arguments for evolution mm. but the critics i think 99.9 percent doesn't really uh, wow which yeah. itself is a whole it's a big bab that not just let not muslims aside a lot of the muslims should actually know this that hey i know they've taught you this at school but it's not true this yeah. is not scientific fact it's not mm. accepted they say evolution is backed by science it's not backed by science yeah. mm. so even before we go to a religious point of view because yeah. mm-hmm. for a muslim that is da'if hasn't really you know i mean i learned his religion like you mentioned with the inferiority complex yeah. you know for him to just realize that hey yeah. i think it's a big thing it's yeah a big it's thing. a big thing and, and also we really have to understand if you accept evolution theory what it really means mm-hmm. it means that human beings are just an animal like the rest of the animals it means like when you die you you it's like when a uh, any other an ant or any other animal ant uh, dies, there's nothing uh, uh, left after that. Uh, there's, there's nothing no going to happen. There's no afterlife no and so on. Yeah. 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 Mm. And you don't have also any really moral objective criterion. Mm. Because mm. like, can you say that a lion, when he's killing a gazelle or anything else, that he is uh, evil. evil? No, it's mm. not evil. He's just working. He's just <laughs> an animal. Yeah, yeah. And if we are just animals... What does it mean? Exactly. That means like, I can kill you, yeah, yeah, fellow yeah. human being, yeah. to just uh, fill my belly or to have more money, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sir. And th- these are not just theoretical questions that I'm uh, uh, mentioning here. This is actually what they based and how it affected society in many, many ways. Mm. Mm. It affected like when it comes to colonization, uh, how they looked at other people. They say, oh, uh, Europeans are more developed and we are like this. And they, we have the right to animals colonize other savages. countries. Yeah, yeah, animals. Mm. Survival of the Darwin. fittest. They yeah, call yeah, survival yeah. of the fittest. Yeah. We have the right to do these things. And social Darwinism 
even though today they're not speaking about, but in the in the twenties and in the late nineteenth century and the beginning of the twentieth century, it was really really influential. Mm. We had in Sweden. Uh, was called race biological center in mm. Sweden. Mm -hmm. Even the Nazis they came to Sweden to learn from the from the Swedes when it comes to that, mm. and that was on to uh, in the fifties, like in, in Sweden. Mm -hmm. They they like they were studying people based on races, and they had it was really like racist theories backed in evolution theory. Wow. And today you can still see that even if they don't use the same kind of words, they still have the kind of cultural racism, how they look on other people, how they look at other cultures, how they look on the Muslims it's and so on. In them. Yeah, that they see that they are more developed than others wow. and so on. And all of these things go back to evolution theory. Yeah. Wow. So there are many implications when it comes to Did evolution. you there was any of this mentioned in your, your PhD? Like uh dealing with these type of issues yeah, as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mashallah. And it, it's very interesting to when you analyze society, you analyze things how they are, and how it affects people. In the end, if you see yourself as you're only an animal, what's the purpose of life? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you don't have anything. Hey, okay, this book has to be translated. <laughs> also, also your uh, Rizal as well in in yeah. uh, Magister. Yeah. I mean, because it's an English trans translation, yeah, 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 so yeah. I mean, Tafsir, it has to be yeah. translated. Inshallah, maybe Inshallah. you'll be working on that next or. Inshallah. I mean, if you Allah. still have all of the, uh, if you have all of the research, yeah, still, yeah, it's yeah, in English yeah. mostly, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you course. took the English translated to Arabic. Yeah. yeah, but he wrote his research though all in Arabic. Yeah, so mm. it's from different I, I hundreds think of I books. Have to make it shorter, uh, compiled verse, version or something. Yeah, yeah bridge version. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. Allah aid you, Allah, yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah. tell you final, finally, going. You're mashallah to Allah. You're one of the only people to be teaching in Mashallah Nabawi in the English language specifically. Yeah. Tell us about that that experience. Well, yeah. Alhamdulillah, it was uh, it was a long process because. Uh, uh, there's a uh, like an agreement between the Islamic University and the Riyadh al Haramain that's responsible for mm -hmm. for uh, the message in Mecca, Medina. The lessons in Medina. The lessons in Mecca, yeah. Medina. Mm -hmm. When Sheikh Sadez became responsible, he said that he, he want he wanted durus in different languages too. Mm. So they started to uh, bring students. They had a ittifaqiyah with the Jama Islamiyah that they would bring students. In different languages that would teach in, uh, like in Indonesian and Hausa and different languages. Okay. And then they have one from each language. So first it was uh, another brother in English, and then it became me. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, someone in Indonesian and so on. So, so they have like, uh, yeah. I've seen people speaking like Urdu lessons and things like that. I've never seen about no other language though being used. Yeah. So so okay. So you're are you? So yeah, and. It, they they contacted the Jamia and they said we want someone uh, teaching in English. Mm. So the Jamia contacted Kulata uh, Dawa and I was working there. So <laughs> they say, and it was like a process for years be be before uh, uh, the acceptance wow. of that. And I remember I was in uh, uh, I was in uh, in Sweden uh -huh. and I got a message from someone and he said, uh, "Can you come to to our office in Mr. Nebo?" Said, who is this? So I'm working. I want to meet you. I'll say I'll come there next week. I said, come to me straight away. So I sat there and said, I said, inshallah, I will have to make a like an interview, and then you can start to teach, inshallah. So Mashallah. I went with the interview with the the boss, uh, the wakil. Mashallah. Uh, and then they said, khalas. So that process. Next week start. <laughs> Allah So that process yeah. it took years, huh? Like, yeah, before the acceptance. So what yeah. they was going through, like making sure you was a part yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, It's wow. a very, very sensitive place. Of course, to teach. Yeah. yeah. People are coming like from all. Yes, it's my message, and people are coming from all around the world. And Alhamdulillah, I, I can say that 
they don't control you in any way say you should do this and you should do that i can take any book that i want uh, i start a new book uh, I, i teach it i taught 10 different books there and i didn't say anything to anyone i was just teaching so they really well. have to trust you because <laughs> if someone is yeah, teaching different I, books and yeah. so on and and all of the lessons are recorded yeah. and all so on so that's why it takes that year so to make sure that you're actually yeah, worthy yeah. of they, it they can really trust you Allah that Allah. It's not like only in a political sense or in a theological you, ha- you really have to know how to answer because people can no, ask you amana. questions yeah, it's it's amana. Amana yeah. you don't take water on your over your head and start to make fatwa and different things and so on so no. yeah where can people find your lessons that you did in haram is it on youtube or no it's in the you have to go there they have the lessons uh, you don't have it recorded like in just some brother he started to to record some lessons uh, i don't know where he went after <laughs> <laughs> but you, all of them are recorded in, uh, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. found them send it to us so we can put yeah, it in the description yeah. in the video Allah yeah. Allah. Uh, you have anything else that you want to yeah so uh, any other uh, do you have any other da'wah activities yani how's the da'wah in Sweden I mean yeah. shout out to our brothers and sisters brothers in particular but any Swedish brother that I normally have come across They're the most chill people I've seen. <laughs> I, 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 I have to say the same. Oh, I have to say the same. Wallahi. Compared even to the us fr- from the UK or America, they're just chill. I, I, was, telling, I was telling you earlier, Sheikh Abdullah, even the first time I met you, I think it was 2012, I was hanging out with only Swedish Swedish students. <laughs> they were just the most chillest. They didn't get involved in much. They were also very studious. Yeah. I'm like, mashallah, I'm chilling <laughs> with these guys. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first guys that told me was from Sweden as well. Mashallah. 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 So how is... Um, How's the that with that? Alhamdulillah, it's it's good. Like when it comes to these things, I can say uh, people are calm. We don't have uh, m- much problems and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, it's tawfiq from Allah. So it's a blessing yeah, from Allah. So it. But then after that, it's a lot of hard work from yeah. the brothers yeah. uh, to try to keep people together and try to Allah, Allah. Uh, have conversations with people. It's like maybe hundreds of hours of conversations, sitting down with people, yeah, yeah. having istirahas, to sit down just to get. Connection. Uh, yeah, connection. And I think it's very important if someone feels something, and he get an, a new understanding or something or so on, that you really try to sit down well, and speak yeah. about these things and mm. so on, so people don't go around with things in the chest and then after that they will explode Allah and Allah there's Allah. new fitna well, and everybody's. Well, and well, 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 we need to take notes. Huh? Hey, wallahi, I've seen this. Wallahi, I've seen this firsthand with the Swedish students. I used to hang out with them and I used to see them spend time with brothers. And they were so like they had lean, you know, they were. No. Very easy going, very gentle with them, like, and they really care. No, Th- I think that's what it comes down to, like you mentioned, yeah. it's about wanting good for your Muslim brother. Yeah. I think that's what it really comes yeah, down yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. If you want good for everyone else yeah. and they see that you want good for them, I think people will be all ears. But if it's all about not really wanting good for them, just good for yourself, or it's yeah, more yeah, about yeah. it turns into a you know, either you're with thing, me or yeah, against yeah, me, yeah, then yeah, yeah. that turns into like the Sam, Sheikh yeah. mentioned into something that explodes. Yeah. Another thing <laughs> I've seen it with the Swedish, correct me if I'm wrong, what I've seen is they didn't. They didn't blow things up. Like, for example, it might, like for me, from the West, I think we get like this. When we hear something like, he said, what? It just becomes, like, yeah. what? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going around. Yeah. But the Swedish brothers, they were like, oh, is that so? all right, let me talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it's just like, how's that thing going? Oh, yeah, I'm still talking to him. <laughs> it's like, goes on like that for some time. And you're yeah, like. Because, you know, it's, it's much more complicated when you have a problem with someone. If I will speak to you and you and you and you and now we have five persons yeah. involved and then you start a YouTube channel and you get 100,000 people involved <laughs> and then you, you could just solve the thing yeah, with speaking to that yeah, guy yeah, but yeah, now yeah. Mashallah, you involve the whole world and every, you have your own fans and they're saying like you, 
you, you can't solve problems in yeah, that way. Yeah, you know? well, we well, have well. like a qaida that we say, there are many problems that you can solve over a cup of tea. Allah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Allah Solve the problems, invite him to your house, sit down, drink a cup of tea and yeah. try to solve the problem. Allah but I, I, I can say that I can't recommend to solve the problems through YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree to that. We can all agree. <laughs> online refutations on so YouTube and bringing your own. It's it's very very. Uh, we're laughing, but it's very sad. It's very, this, yeah, it's it's very, very sad. sad for this sure. is how it is. And so something yeah. we can learn from. I think there's substance to what you said earlier at the beginning that you, the Swedes, they see themselves as an example that everybody else needs to look up to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's something to carry on, huh? Especially yeah. for us. Yeah, you have for the, the people from Britain, they, yeah. all, they want to colonize other countries. Yeah, so they yeah. go out with their thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the Americans want to oh, conquer okay. the world. Oh, <laughs> come, on, come on, man. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a lot We're all affected of our. So, hey, so I gotta get that jahili out of us, huh? Allah will stop. Final advices, inshallah, moving forward for uh, students or people trying to go upon that same route that you went or any advice that you have for the people, especially, you know, because, mashallah, you've reached these levels, Allahumma barak, by the tawfiq of Allah SWT, uh, but then by your hard work and, and, and time and putting in efforts, um, how would you, what would you advise a new student who's trying to do the same thing? They have family, because you did this with family, right, the entire time. How would you advise them, or do you have anything else connected to the topics we talked about? Yeah. Uh, the first thing that is always the most important thing is to be sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. and to do everything with sincerity. Uh, always to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with dua and reading the Quran. Mm. Uh, the reading the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also to to make a lot of dua. Always asking Allah for tawfiq. Mm. Never think that you can do anything by yourself. This is like the, the most basic thing that we have to do. Another thing that's like kind of a dunya nasiha, but at the same time connected to deen, mm. is that you have clear goals mm. in your life that you write down. Mm. Uh, you usually mention the the smart goals. So I don't know mm. if you know them. Uh, mm. They should be specific and it should be measurable. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I used to apply this, and I think it's really, really good. I agree. You have mm. like you come to the jamia, or you want to be a talib alim in another country or in your own country, anything. You should have specific goals that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And they should be measurable. It should be something, not just, I want to gain knowledge. Okay, what does it mean? You, you should learn so and so much from the Arabic language. You should memorize so and so many words. You should memorize so much from the Quran. You should read these and these and these books. Mm -hmm. You should study these and these books with, with the scholars and so on. This is something that is measurable. Yeah, yeah. And something that is also accepted, uh, A, <laughs> in the acronym yeah. uh, something that is accepted you, you feel that this is something that will really benefit you you can mm. feel that you have you can see the difference between when you're studying something or reading a book when you are interested you have motivation and we're not interested mm. if you read something you have to study a subject or you have to read a book in school or anyone uh, other place and you you don't really understand why I'm reading this book. You know, mm. even some subjects in the jamia sometimes you're sitting there like, yeah. why am I studying this? Yeah, yeah. You can see the difference when you study like Asma wa Sifa. You can you understand the importance in your life to know about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Mm -hmm. So this is something that is accepted to you. So uh, to have like your inner motivation where you study things is one of the most important mm. things. And then R, there is something that is reachable, something that you can reach. 
you don't take like what of you had you say I memorized the whole Quran in one month and mm-hmm. you heard some scholar from the self did it and mm-hmm. no, something that you can really do yeah. and all people have like different situations in life people have families people not have families people have many kids not many kids people have different situations mm-hmm. something that is reachable and then uh, something that is time bound mm. so you can say like okay I will finish this not that I will memorize the Quran in the future no you say I will memorize this juz after one month mm-hmm. and after two months and so on and you go after that and you write down the goals mm-hmm. and you try to see if you reach them or not mm, every day when I start the day I have a like a daily uh, schedule uh, with things that I have to do so in the I don't want to go to sleep at night before I finished all of the things Allah that Allah I have to do yeah. and then I start one more time and one more time <coughs> one more time because if you don't re- write them down it will be in your head then you start to make like ta'wilat for yourself yeah I, I think I studied today and so on <laughs> yeah, no yeah, you yeah. did not do in accordance to this uh, in the schedule checklist the mm. checklist mm. Uh, and this is really really important sometimes you can say nah nah this is just childish no it's not childish what was yeah. that acronym? they're really smart ah smart yeah, yeah. specific yeah. measurable accepted and reachable and, and time bound the okay. funny thing is that the version of smart that I've learned it's the same yeah. but A we say attainable and R yeah, we say okay, relevant okay. Yeah, 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 but it's yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah, 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 so relevant is acceptable yeah, yeah, yeah. and attainable is, yeah. is well, it's the same but the same yeah, yeah. mashallah and they say you're right for, when it comes to writing down that is really really important they, they, one of the productivity experts says that uh, your brain is great for having ideas but not for storing them <laughs> <laughs> you know have your idea but then write it down if it's written yeah. down it's something that you know it won't, it won't take up your brain power throughout the day and yeah. give you a sense of stress because you know it's so black and And it kind of made it kind of like, it makes it serious. Yeah. Like when you take that idea and you actually write it and yeah. look at it. I've seen people say this. I think it was yeah. a book called Atomic Habits or something like that. Yeah. It deals with yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes real. Like yeah. you see it. Like yeah. I yeah. need to do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then like you said, put them stipulations where, okay, I can't go to sleep unless I do this thing right here. Yeah, and the, the, this is another thing that I think is really important too is to know the fitna of this yeah to really yeah, yeah. understand it because when it comes to uh you say i, I want to be a good talib ta- mm-hmm. and at the same time i have family so i should give my family less time i should not be with them i should not raise my kids make no talib this is the wrong way yeah, to yeah. think Sahih. you should take less of this more to your family and more to your talib al-ilm. 100%. You have to understand what you have to take away from, from your life. Yeah. Mm. And now there are like apps. You can download apps. You can see how many hours you're spending in, in, in the, each week. So. And you can try to gain new goals so you spend less time and, and so on when it comes to this. And try to be smart. Like you use your phone in times when uh, mm. you don't study at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they say even some, some rules that your phone should be at least 20 seconds away from you. It has to take you 20 seconds to go and see your phone. Uh-huh. Because mm. if you have it, they have made studies, psychological studies, that even if you only have your phone in your uh, in your uh, pocket, it will affect your study results. Wow. Even if you don't take it up. Wow. Because you're thinking about it at the same time. Yeah, so you're yeah, not yeah. getting as much concentrated. In that. And like the people that have... Uh, made the programs and Facebook and Twitter and all these things. They are psycho- they have psychologists working oh, yeah, with course. them. Best how to affect you course, yeah. and to get uh, like Engagement. dopamine and so and on. They spend so millions, maybe billions, yeah, to yeah, figure yeah, out yeah, how yeah. to get that extra dollar. Yeah, yeah. 
how to oh. how to you know they spend all of that money their metric that they that they measure yeah. it's what they call engagement which is how long do you spend on facebook yeah. facebook the, the the money that facebook may, makes depends on how much time you spend on their platform mm-hmm. it's directly connected because they're mm-hmm. advertising agency yeah so of course you spend 20 20 minutes on facebook they'll get x amount of money you spend two hours so for them it's really they hire these people all the billions they have to just keep you on your phone yeah. so you have to use technology against technology yeah, yeah. regarding yeah. the app that you've mentioned but there are many apps I've, yeah, I've yeah, got yeah, one particular yeah. one where you can put a schedule mm. you can actually put a particular schedule like mm-hmm. from this time to this time these apps should be blocked mm. oh. and you can put a password on yeah it. I've seen some people using those yeah. okay, well, like, for me and it makes heard, a major difference and they make the password like something they give to their wife or something right yes. so you yourself can get into yeah, it exactly yeah, for yeah. me it makes a major difference yeah, yeah. block them salawat time block them early morning you block whenever these apps and they're not all many of mm-hmm. them you choose the apps and you block them at specific times and mashallah, yani just it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Really you, good. you can spot like, even when it comes to ibadah, not just only talib al-ilm. You can see the difference when you put your phone in your house mm. uh, and you go to salah and after you finish, so you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting with dhikr, <laughs> sitting there reflecting and you come into Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar and then you know, <laughs> it's coming up there. It's fitness. So hey, so because hey, so there, hey. there are actually things happening inside of our brains and it's it's like narcotics it's like drugs yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. kind of effect how it affects our brains that we want the dopamine kick come into our brain exactly so we want the like or we want yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, message yeah. And, and so on and so hey so hey 100 yeah. so hey, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. it's been uh well it's been an honor to have you um it's uh subhanallah i think we tried to do get you like last month or something like that and this like for the viewers and listeners i told them like last week and i was telling you earlier today I decided it. Kalas magister, yani. When I get time to do podcasts, we'll do podcasts. Inshallah. But then when I when when you message me and told me you're coming, I'm like, kalas. I gotta make some time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotta make some time. Inshallah. Allah, it's been an honor, Akhi. Allah, it's very nice to be here. We appreciate you accepting our our invitation. Allah, 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 Allah,